This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Next on Plains FM, we have Movie Talk, a program for all things cinema-esque, for the discerning film and video junkie. Welcome again to Movie Talk. Today we'll be looking at two first-class chefs in a historical comedy about the first restaurant in France, entitled Delicious, and a documentary, Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. We'll also review a sweeping homage to journalism in the French Dispatch. Du beurre, voyons du beurre! Faut faire bien, faire grand! Si vous avez deux minutes, le duc aimerait faire son commentaire. Lanceron, vos cuissons étaient parfaites. Comment appelez-vous ces petits chaussons Le délicieux. Truffe et pommes de terre, c'est bon pour les cochons. Il nous prend pour décorer Excusez-vous. Set just before the French Revolution in the 1700s, Delicious takes us into the frustrated life of a first-class chef who opens the first restaurant ever within France. Mary Gibson's been off to the Academy Cinemas to see this comedy drama, which delivers some unexpected revelations and lots of marvellous food. Mary, did you find this film delicious? Well, having been previously married to an award-winning chef, anything to do with food is always appealing to me. (laughs) And so I understand the intricacies of how a chef feels when his um, food is critiqued. And and they don't like that critique. However, coming back to this movie, yeah, it's a great little movie. I really um, liked it a lot, actually. There's some interesting characters in it, and and I like the way that it plays out with Manceron, who is the chef. And how he um, is working in the French court for the Duke of Chamfort, and and what I found interesting, I guess, was uh, how um, the the poor supposedly it was only the rich, the wealthy, or the court who could uh, understand the intricacies of food and yeah. the gastronomies, yeah. whereas. Uh, the others yeah, it, were it considered for plebs, and people. it wasn't yeah. for them. Yeah. So, so that that was an interesting kind of an insight in terms of how people thought about food, and and when you think this goes back to the seventeen hundreds, and I was thinking, surely they had restaurants, surely they went, yeah, surely they ate, ate out somewhere. <laughs> but what it was was, you know, they'd be on a coach journey, and they'd stop at an inn and be yeah. served some kind of gruel or porridge or something like that. Yes. Or watery soup soup or whatever, (laughs) but not a meal. So that, of course, ah, then it made sense. The penny dropped that, yeah, there weren't any restaurants. And and so this 
gastronomic way of eating was only for the elite or the you know the the courts or the rich or, or whatever yeah, yeah. and supposedly they were the only ones that had the palate to be able to determine if this food was good or not mm. which in itself was really interesting as well well, yeah, as that well you can see why there was a revolution the on its way yeah, under yeah. And, and isn't social it, circumstances yeah and isn't it interesting <laughs> that I think two days after the timing of this the, the dates of this movie the, it was Bastille Day, the French Revolution. Yeah. So, yeah, it is very interesting. It was clearly on the precipice of change that the the peasants, let's say, were revolting. The, yeah. the normal working people were revolting against this, the the aristocracy and and mm. the way of living in this hideous, gluttonous behaviour, awful, awful behaviour. Yeah. And and this uh, duke who um, employed and then fired the mm. chef. I mean, he's the ultimate snob himself. He just just cannot believe that you know that the lower class have got any any anything well, to say or any intelligence or even any well, taste well, for food. Well, that was interesting <laughs> because in the opening scene where Manseron prepares this um, little uh, truffle dish, so it has potato and truffle, and the Duke actually really likes it, yeah. but then the like is it a bishop or yeah, some of the clergy sort of yeah. says. <laughs> Truffle is just for pigs and potatoes is for the poor and throws it to the ground. And you could see the Duke, he didn't want to say that. I think he believed it was actually good. But he then the rest of the table, table said, agreed, yeah. agreed, you know, ho, 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 scoffing and laughing. And so he followed suit, much to his own detriment. He then, as you yeah. say, fired Mincer on the chef, but obviously regretted it because he couldn't mm. have another one afterwards. But, you know, and then um, the character that comes in and she's, I've forgotten her name, but she comes in and she is, uh, she is uh, actually a, a marquess and mm. but she says or portrays herself as somebody less than that. Or, yeah. And well, he assumes because she's she has a, prostitute. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. but she must, she seems to have a little bit of money, so she, she must be a prostitute. Yeah, yeah. So where that could was, she get the money? That was yeah. interesting as well. And, and at first I assumed that this is correct myself, <laughs> and then there's a bigger yeah. uh, uh, revelation uh, exactly. later on of who mm. she really is. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. And she, she then encourages, you know, obviously befriends him, and he treats her dreadfully. Like a just a, a lowly servant, and um, <laughs> he treats her very appallingly. But then, of course, you know, a love story develops around that, and she encourages him to continue. And from that, you know, the yeah, you know, there are lots of hurdles along the way. Yeah. We're just cutting this down really quickly, but um, you know that the the restaurant opens, and it's and it is called Delicious. <laughs> Which was really nice. I think that was lovely. Well, I, I'm not sure if this story is true, actually. No, not. who knows? I, I have my doubts yeah. about that. I mean, because, like you were saying earlier, I sort of find it hard to believe that there ever was a, a first restaurant. I assume yeah. you go to any city that they would have a few around anyway, mm. someplace where mm. people could mm. get food mm. of different qualities. Mm. <laughs> but, anyway. but not that kind of experience of dining in and being oh, yes. served at your yeah. table, I I think that was really the whole experience that came through. So, uh, look, you know, yeah, it probably is is not a true story at all, but it is an interesting one, and, oh, and yeah. it gets you thinking, you know, back yeah. to the 1700s and and how people were, and and I mean, he was even taxed for baking bread. 
you know, and, and this kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And so the collecting the taxes. So you kind of start thinking about all of these things all the way through this movie. Oh, okay, well, you know, what's this about? And and where is it going to head? And where's the story going to take us? Hmm. So it's, it's a... Yeah, it's so not, I'm not quite sure. Is this essentially sort of slightly comic, comic uh, entertainment? Or do you think there is a... a Message, you know, on uh, class uh, yeah. and you know and difficulties. And yeah, all this sort of thing. yeah. Look, because I, there's a lot of that sort of information and situations in the film. Yeah, I I actually wouldn't have called it comedic. Um, there are hmm. some funny moments, oh, okay, okay. Yeah. but I wouldn't have called it comedic. I th- I think it's more. You know, it is that along that line of a drama, and yes, definitely those messages. Because you come away from that thinking, "Oh my goodness, was it really like that?" You know, and and I think that that is the important part of yeah. it. But mm. it's a nice little movie. I think it's worth going to see. Yeah, oh, so, and easily uh, digested. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. <Good>. Thank you. <laughs> That was Mary Gibson with her views on Delicious, and I'm Hans Petrovic on Movie Talk on Plains FM 96.9. Arthur Howitzer Jr. transformed the series of travelogue columns into the French Dispatch, a factual weekly report on the subjects of world politics, the arts, high and low, and diverse stories of human interest. You don't think it's almost too seedy this time? No, I don't. For decent people. It's supposed to be charming. The French Dispatch delivers us some of the varied contents of a magazine created by an American editor somewhere in France. Ian Cummings has been off to the Lumiere cinemas to see this unpredictable movie, which can be seen as a tribute to journalism. Uh, Ian, you never know what's going to happen next. So what did you think of the French Dispatch? Well, to junkies of film festivals, this is a must-see delight, and I'm such a junkie. Are you? <laughs> what does that mean? A junkie was at, you overdose on something, and, and like film, at film festivals you overdose on films. And this is a visual and verbal <laughs> and delight, really a wacky, it's fast moving, inventive in both sight and sound. So, um, as you might have gathered, I really like this film. Yeah, no, no, it's, it's an amazing film because actually it sort of comes in three basic parts. Because as much, it's a sort of a tribute by um, to well, they say it's a tribute to the um, New York Times magazine, uh, which is a sort of a, quite a sophisticated uh, magazine mm-hmm. with all, all its um, different uh, sections in it. Um, yeah, you know, sort of about art and politics and everything under the sun in there. And this magazine is similar, except it's put together in France by an American, played by Bill Murray. And uh, um, and then the, the, this film consists of. So it's like what we're doing. There's a series of chapters, basically. Yeah, a series. Yeah, it's like as we're going through different sections of the magazine, oh. seeing three different stories. Yeah, like travel, for instance, and. Um well, I can't remember what the other ones, but certainly travel on it, and he yeah. does it. Mm. He does a story on a bicycle. Yeah, Owen Wilson on a bicycle. You know, uh, yeah. Um, so, the, well, you mentioned his name, uh, Wes Anderson. He's a profil- prolif- prolific filmmaker, but I only ever seen one of his films, and that was the Grand Budapest Hotel. Did you see that one? Do you remember that one? Yes, I, I yeah. quite like that one. And yeah. for me, well, that was a five star, mm. five star film, and this one gets equally my five stars. And the film has got this, uh, he uses, Wes, uh, Wes Anderson uses the same composer, cinematographer, writers, costume designer and casting 
and that film in this film. And there are a number of actors there that needed obviously no hesitation in signing for this film, having worked with him on the uh, Budapest film. Yeah, so we got Bill Murray, you've already mentioned, Tilda Swinton, Willem DeVoe, Shershan Ronan, Adrian Brody, Edward Norton, Owen Wilson, and then, for good measure, add into this film Benicio del Toro, Liv Schreiber, Timothy Chalamet, Christ Faust, and Francis McDormand. So those are all the credits. And it's astonishing collecting of acting talent in one time, yeah. one place, yeah. one film. And uh, But, you know, I mean, I, I didn't know what to expect, so I did sort of feel a bit lost in it sometimes because they turn into three totally different stories. It's like a tribute to journalism here in as much That's as we That's a good can. way of putting these it. These stories, um, t- these journalists come out and uh, tell us uh, of a story uh, which they had written for the magazine. Or, you know, and, uh, and they're totally different. I mean, the first one... Um, is, is quite a long thing. Um, that's about this older guy who's in, in jail for, for murder and he's in prison for the rest of his life, I think. But he's also a, a great um, artist, a modern art, artist. And, uh, and he's looked, and the, his favourite woman to look after him is um, the prison guard who happens to be a woman because he also uses her in his it's painting. A model. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And all this sort of thing. And then she goes out and sells paintings for him and promotes him around the world as a great painter. And all this, you know, you get this, okay, that's quite fascinating stuff. And then the second one, um, that's the one with Frances McDormand, where she plays a writer who abandoned, who um, becomes involved with a, a skilled chess player. And she's supposed to. Um, uh, do this article about him and analyse him, but of course she becomes involved with him and sort of sees the whole thing in a somewhat uh, different uh, way. And this young guy is is also um, uh, the skilled chess player is also uh, getting involved in the youth movement, which was yeah. this back, this back is in nineteen. Timothy Chalamet, yeah, yeah, back in the nineteen eighties, mm. I think. And uh, and there was a sort of a, a youth uh, movement going on in France at that time. And then you got the third one, which he. The, the writer, the journalist, um, sort of turns on an assignment um, for the food section of a magazine, but then he somehow gets involved in some sort of kidnapping or something. <laughs> I've actually forgotten now what that happened. Yeah, it gets so. Um, but but that is the. But what's even more amazing is, like you mentioned, there's so many different styles. Large parts of the film were in black and white. Then you're back into colour. But there's one section towards the end where they've actually used animated film of a car chase, I think it was. That's right. And uh, there's widescreen at yeah. some time, and then it's back to the old ratio yeah, of four to three. Yeah. 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 And, but, you know, it's, it's just an amazing film to watch because you would just sort of wonder what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, well, you mentioned those three chapters, and I thought, the only thing that I thought could have been trimmed a bit was the, the, the prison one. I felt the it went one. on too long mm. for me. I thought we need to move on. I think, I think before that, they did we have the bicycle sequence, the travel sequence with Owen Wilson? And I think it was, I think that was first. There was some pace early in the film. Mm. Then oh, it yeah, slowed down that, a yeah. bit. No less witty, yeah. of course. No less witty at all. And there was also something at the start more about Bill Murray, the editor, oh, who yeah. put this uh, magazine together. And uh, although he was in France, it, it was, um, but he came from some newspaper in Kentucky or someplace and then ended up with doing this thing in, in France, which I never quite understood either. Yeah. Well, if you're interested in the film, and, and I do 
recommend it, and it, you don't have to be a, a, a film junkie for it, but check out Rotten Tomatoes, and there are seven or eight videos, short videos, including a trailer, which expand a bit on, on what you're going to see in the film and why. Ah, fair enough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's good to know. Okay, well, that's good fun. And um, thank you, Ian. And uh, we'll, we'll be seeing you one time next week before the end of the year. Yep. We shall indeed. Yep. Okay. okay. That was Ian Cumming helping me with the French Dispatch. I'd like to thank the sponsor of the show, the Harcourt's Grenadier Accommodation Centre, which is now located at 98 Moorhouse Avenue. If you're looking for a place to live, check out the Harcourt's Accommodation Centre website, www.assetmanagers.co.nz. That address again, www.assetmanagers.co.nz. It was almost never about food. It was about Tony learning how to be a better person. When he threw himself into something, he threw himself completely. Why am I here? Am I insane? He was like, life's about finding a cliff worth jumping off. I'm going to look for something feral and wild. He was a traditional romantic. Reality was never going to live up to exactly how he pictured it. Hey, what's up, man? He was always rushing to get into the scene. He was rushing to get out of the scene go somewhere next, even if he had nowhere to go. In the documentary Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain, we see the career of the well-known American chef, writer and TV host, up until he took his own life in 2018. Sue Freeman's been off to the Lumiere cinemas to see this multi-level documentary. So, Sue, what did you think of this film? Well, I went along thinking, oh, this will be fascinating, all about uh, his cooking career and how, you know, and we, you know, get glimpses into how he became such a successful chef, which, of course, without that, he wouldn't have become the TV host or the done everything else. Or written a book about it. Or written a book. (laughs) But in actual fact, it turns out to be um, almost a harrowing um, story of the decline of the mental health it's a mental health movie, really. Yeah, it you talks could call about, it that. Um, it's so sad What makes and this tragic. man tick? He <laughs> was a charismatic, good-looking guy who rose up almost from nothing, a dishwasher, I think he said he started yes, off that, as, yeah. and he became so successful. But like so many people who rise so quickly to success, he didn't have that good foundation somehow to balance him out. He had drug addiction issues, he had so many other things going on in his life and despite those people who loved and adored him and talked yeah, about him so him, movingly yeah. it wasn't enough. No, he just could I, I think to me he, he he had an extremely high intelligence. He mm. could sit out and yeah. sit, sit down and do anything. He had to experience everything himself, yeah. like his travels around yeah. the world, which he then um, turned into these TV shows. Yeah, but and, it all started um, to unravel. Yeah, and and he believed in the romance of the you know the one continuous marriage. But his first wife, what happened there? She left somehow and then or did he leave oh, no I think they all left him because he was not always easy <laughs> well when he they said one year when he was filming he was away for 250 days of the year well if you're you've got a, a wife and child at home and you're 
away for mm. two-thirds of the year. It makes it very difficult to sustain any relationship. Yeah, well, he had these deep, uh, you know, moods and things, and it, 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 he was full of self-doubt about on so many issues, you know, and he, he found it extremely difficult to communicate with other people or to understand himself. Well, do you think so? I didn't get that. I thought he was charismatic. Oh, oh, when it comes and to he person. Spoke, yeah. He spoke really well on... They said that when he started his TV career, he had no idea what he was doing. Mm. And the two producers, they didn't know him. And they were just newly married. So apparently the three of them together in these foreign countries was a real challenge. But I think he was... He did really well initially, but he just... It's a story of our time. We've got so many people now with these mental health issues. The pressure of life really got to him. The pressure of his fame. He couldn't walk down the street without people stopping him and wanting wanting to shake his hand, wanting him to sign things. And it, it just all got way too much for him to deal mm. with. Well, I, I looked, I mean, it's, it's a, or the whole thing is still a big question about him. Um, I was reading through about the mental health issues of, yeah. of, of his. I even came across some that were speculating on the, the fact, on the possibility that he might have been suffering from Asperger's. And this made it so difficult for him to uh, communicate, to get through, to understand other people, what they were thinking and all of this sort of thing. I, 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 I won't say that. I wonder but, about that Asperger's. But, but I'm not saying, but this yeah. is how far the speculations yeah. have gone. And there are even speculations about his death. Somebody was telling me the other day that um, uh, there's some rumours out that he, that he um, actually didn't commit suicide, that he was murdered. I found a lot of doubt in that. But there's all this speculation but about the man. there are always people. All because he was him. so famous and because he mm. was so charismatic, and I think people can't quite understand that someone who had, he had looks, charm, success... Yeah. Everything going yeah. for him, and yet the world just the world and all its compl- complexities became too much for him. Yeah, I mean, this is it. I, I just, I, I, I personally have always um, liked and admired that mm. man, what he's uh, mm. succe- successfully mm. achieved yeah. in his life and presented, like his TV shows and all of this yeah. stuff. And um, you know, so but then you start to puzzle. When I heard that he'd um, committed suicide yeah. three years ago. I just couldn't believe it at the time. Yeah. You know, I just, I can't see why that, I just, but I think my can, image of this man, it just didn't fit in with it. You see, I love food and cooking and it always bemused me that he was such a, he was a chain smoker and in, <laughs> and I just don't see how you can really have a refined palate but he defied the odds, obviously. If you, if you're that <laughs> well, he's also a drug nicotine. addict. <laughs> he was also a drug addict. You know, and I think that was the under, underlying problem. Mm. He had that addictive personality. Yeah, yep, yep, that's and a good addictive, word for it. And addictive, and then he became, with a TV, it all had to be perfect, and then he just yep. kept... Yep. He was on this seeking perfection. Mm. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, but he's always looking at the perfection in anything mm. he did himself. And, and criticised it in the world around him. Because that first book of his, and that was um, a big surprise, um, surprise bestseller. It was called Kitchen Confidential, and it's about the time in his early, when he was first early in his career, he was working as a chef yeah. at a the famous New York um, restaurant, the Brasserie Les Halles. Yeah. And um, 
and and he when he quit there, he um, wrote this book about the place. But it was actually about the inner workings of the kitchens in highly priced restaurants. That's mm. what the so he had that critical look at everything yeah. he touched, and of course himself also. Yeah. <laughs> He's critical about yeah. that too. And um, all of this is in the book. And you know, I mean, I still found this so peculiar because I still couldn't help liking the guy at the same time. Oh yes, he's but that's what he was very charismatic. Um, he was very charismatic, very driven. Yeah. Very, very yeah. driven. It's, anyway, it's, yeah. He's a very complex character. Oh, he certainly is certainly the most complex yeah. I've seen a film about. And I think that's why they couldn't explain everything at the end yeah. of the film. But I, and, I mean, the, and how much these people liked him. They, yeah, they asked about it when he, his death and this. And the tears, mm. all these men, the two yeah. or three men yeah. with tears in their yeah. eyes, you know, and this sort of thing. Uh, yeah. That's what we New Zealand men don't do so well, but the Americans oh. can, I think. Is that so? <laughs> Oh, well, I hope never to find out. Um, yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a wonderful movie. <laughs> well, thank you. That was Sue Freeman with her views on Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. And I'm Hans Petrovic, inviting you to listen to Movie Talk again on Plains FM 96.9 at midday next Wednesday. This program will also be repeated at midday on Saturday, and you can listen to podcasts of earlier episodes on the Plains FM website, plainsfm.org.nz. Music